Hello and welcome to another episode of the Abundantly Successful Show, the show for conscious entrepreneurs who have the deep desire to turn their passion to a successful and thriving business all by making a big impact in the world. I'm your host, Kay Sanders, also known as the creator of possibilities. And our topic today is going to be a little interesting. So if you've ever thought about becoming a speaker or maybe going even into maybe TEDx talks or a TED Talks, our guest expert today is Corey Poirier. And he has done many, many TED Talks. He's also known as That Speaker Guy. So as the title suggests, he knows a little bit about speaking. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Corey. Hello, Corey. Thanks for being here. Great to have you. Hey, Kay. Thanks so much. I am, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. And uh, it's one of those uh, days where it's kind of rainy out. So I love doing interviews on rainy days. That sounds strange, but I can't be out in the sun. I might as well be uh, trying to make some magic happen and hopefully add value for people. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I've heard your stuff. I've, you know, stalked you for a little bit. I mean, we've known each other for a while, so I know you're definitely going to share a lot of great content with us. But before we dive in, why don't you share with us a little bit like who you are, what you do, and most of my most favorite questions, why you do what you do? So that is a great question. And so I guess the who, who I am, I always kind of start, I don't go, uh, you know, back to um, childhood and then stay there, but I will, will at least say uh, in terms of who I am, I was raised by a single mother, and I always add that in because I think it played a big part in who I ended up becoming. Uh, my father lived 15 minutes away, but he wasn't really in my life. And so my mother was my constant sort of influence and guiding, you know, light who I saw and, and her actions are what I kind of lived up to, if you will. Uh, my grandfather played a part in raising me as well. So those two were a big part of my life. Um, secondary part that played a big impact on my life, and I think it – I. I'm going to say I think it helped me evolve into who I am is I barely graduated high school. And it really sounds weird to me these days when I say this, but I don't feel as bad when I know that a lot of kids just get pushed through grades now, even if they didn't pass. But my last year in high school, one of my teachers gave me a 49 plus one and a passing grade would have been a 50. And so it was like he wanted to kind of put the, the sort of the knife in the back to say, you didn't really graduate. I gave you the point. And I needed that course. So I always say technically I didn't graduate, but, uh, but you know, um, somehow in the books I did. And so it sounds strange that that would be a big moment in my life, but obviously I still, it still speaks to me today, almost 30 years later. And I think it's because it's, it's basically, it's one of those moments in life where you realize that somebody's trying to tell you something, you know, you didn't give it up your all, you didn't deserve this, uh, I'm going to give it to you, but I want you to always remember that you basically didn't get it on your own. And I don't know why, and maybe he didn't even, I, I like to think that he had this big grandiose plan with that. He might've just said, you know what, you got a 49 and I'm not going to fail you over one point. So I'll give you the one, whatever the reason was, that's why I graduated. So that's a part of who I am as well. And then to finish this long story off, I'll just say, um, you know, what I do now, which is a big part of who I am also is, as you mentioned, I'm a, a speaker. I spend a lot of my times, speaking on stages in front of audiences, hoping to reveal exclusive insight to somebody that they can use in their life to become the best version of themselves possible, whether that's personally or professionally in a business or the work they do. And uh, why I do it is because people had a ripple on me when I was younger. So they had this impact, you know, I call it the ripple effect, but they had this impact and they didn't even realize it. You know, they did something good or bad. And I was just talking about, right, a teacher that basically failed me. 
heads this impact all these years later. And so I wanted to try to have a positive ripple and impact on people maybe 50 years from now. Maybe they'll say, the speaker one time, I don't even remember his name. I don't remember what he talked about, but I remember this one thing. And if that's all they remember, then that's all that matters to me because at least I've had a ripple in their life somehow. And to finish this off, that's why I got into helping speakers launch their speaking careers is because I knew that was a way I could have an indirect ripple that would maybe live as long as me or maybe even beyond me. So that was a long answer, Kay, but uh, raised by a single mother, uh, barely graduated high school. It, uh, it essentially evolved me into who I am now, which is a, a business professional and an entrepreneur who wants to help other people become the best version of themselves because I like to create an impact. That's my summary. I, I love it because, I mean, you know, that's like also my model. Like if, if I can just impact one person each and every day, I mean, that's what makes my day because as you mentioned, you have that ripple effect. So, I mean, I, do, I definitely love your story. But now, you know, let's talk a little bit about like, you know, I guess let's start out with since the topic today is about, you know, securing and delivering TEDx talks. What exactly are like TED talks, TEDx talks? When the first time I heard about it, I'm like, what is that? So I'm pretty sure some of the audience, they might ask the same question. So maybe we could start with that. So, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll start in a weird way. I've never described it this way before, but it's almost like Oscar auditions for speakers. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, like, it's the red carpet for speakers. To get a TED or a TEDx talk is basically, it's not, you know what, it doesn't sort of make everybody's career. Um, not every TEDx talk or TED talk gets viewed millions of times. But going back to our point about impacting one person, almost every TED talk, well, they're all viewed more than once. So they all have the potential to impact at least one person's life and ideally more. But in terms of maybe what they are and why they became so big, they were put together. And I, I looked this up years ago, and I think I still have it right. But TED stands for Technology, Education, and Design. And so it's a conference that was built around, let's bring people together that are in, t in the technology world, the education world, and the design world and get them to share messages that other people want to spread that could potentially change the world. And they built it around a certain format. So, uh, for instance, is uh, TEDx talks typically can't be longer than 18 minutes. I think most events will tell you 15 because they, they want to make sure that you have a buffer, but I don't think they'll even put them on YouTube or TED.com or anywhere if they're over 18 minutes. So that's the, the idea is can you share a thought and an idea in – 15 minutes that can change somebody's life. And I spoke to the, at the last TEDx event I was at, I spoke at, I spoke to one of the organizers and he just defined what they're looking for in a speaker better than I think I've ever heard it before. What he said is we're not necessarily as focused on the idea as we are. Can you share an idea that people haven't heard in a certain way before and share it in a way they've never heard before, but have them understand it. That's so, they're unique new ideas that are shared with the idea that people will spread them and share them with the masses and that maybe they can influence a ripple that have the potential to impact the world. And that's a big grandiose summary on my end of what a TED talk is or a TEDx talk. But what they become is sort of the sexy talk for speakers that have the potential to really make people think and question the way they do things and maybe make changes in their life. So that was a long answer. I don't know, okay, no, if that's something I like that. You know, I mean, I still, I mean, I've heard about it so many times. I've seen, I know that they're short talks, but you just really pointed, uh, painted a nice, really picture that made a lot more sense because I still didn't really know exactly what it was. But now, is there a difference between TED Talk and a TEDx Talk? Yes. So there is two 
I'll say it this way. There is to the organizers and there is oftentimes to the speakers. And there certainly is to the speakers that would have spoken, let's say, on the main stage years ago. But to the viewer or audience member or the average person, I would maybe say a resounding no. So why I say this is because there's a difference in terms of what there's not like when you watch the events, they don't look different, but there's a different in terms of what the TEDx events are allowed to do, what they're allowed to say. Traditionally, the main TED event is once a year. So a lot of people don't know that it's kind of one event once a year in Vancouver in British Columbia in Canada. And it's taken place. It used to be, I think, in Silicon Valley, but I might be wrong there. But it takes place once a year. And so I think they put on the stage, I might be wrong in this, but I think somebody last I heard said 70 speakers over a, a conference over a few days. And so that's the main TED event. And then all these other events we hear about called TEDx are essentially independently organized by organizers in a local area, but they have to adhere to all the main TED rules. Like they have a whole big you know, manual of what they're allowed to do and a lot of allowed to do. And because of that, that's why I believe, Kay, that the TEDx events have held the same prestige and the same brand name in the eyes of the average person. So when people say, I saw you delivered a TED talk or I saw you delivered a TEDx talk, most people don't distinguish between the two. Ah, okay. So basically it's like a sister thing from the main, the TEDx or the sister thing from the TED talk, basically. You got it. Okay. Now for business owners, I mean, what would be, why why would it be beneficial for a business owner to go on, you know, do TED talks or TEDx talks? So there's a number of reasons I would say, okay, so it depends what your end goal is. So you mentioned, why do I do what I do? So as a business owner, if your goal is to get your message out, whatever your story is, to positively impact lives. And that sounds, again, uppity or grandiose, but if your goal is to change lives, then the reason you would want to do it is because it's an amazing platform to do it. And people know when they watch your talk, that's what they're coming to do it. Here's one thing I'll add, and then I'll explain why you would want to do it from a grow your business point of view. But here's another thing that exists within TED and TEDx that a lot of people don't know. You, and you, you go watch the talks and you'll see this, but people don't think of this. If you walk on that stage, a TEDx or a TED stage, and start talking about your company by name, your video probably will never be aired. You're not allowed to say the name of your company. You're not allowed to wear it most of the times, and I can't speak, you know, there's not absolutes because some organizers might not follow the rules properly, but you're not allowed to wear branded clothing. And here's the wild wow. part. Can't even be the tag on the back because they don't want to have any chances that, you know, you're trying to sneak something in. So it's not supposed to even be branded on the back. Like you're supposed to cut the tag off type thing. Oh, it's wow. pretty intense. And the reason they do all that is because they want to keep it strategic and, and positioned the way it's always been. And they want to make sure the rules can't be flexible so that people don't start making an event that doesn't look like a TEDx event. Uh, so I say this because some people think, well, I'm going to go in, deliver a TED talk, and then it's going to take my business to new levels because everybody's going to hear my business name. And odds are they're never going to hear your business name. You'll even see that when people are authors, what they do is they say, you should check out my new book. And then um, you know, they, or they might, sorry, they won't say check out my new book. They can't say it like a branded message, but they might say, um, when I was writing my new book, but they can't say the name of what the book is. So, you know, when I was writing my new book, this happened or what have you. So when I say that, um, why, you know, from a branding point of view, why would you want to then do a TEDx talk for your business? It's because what happens is like anything, if people see your talk and love it, they're going to seek your name out. So they're going to see your TEDx talk and they're going to see the name is Kay Sanders. And then they're going to start Googling you. 
They're going to get to your website. They're going to find out about your book. They're going to find out about your business. So they're going to seek it out because you delivered a talk that spoke to them. Another reason is because even outside of the ones that seek it out, let's say you're trying to get a door open for yourself. You're trying to get a publisher to consider you. You're trying to get a spot on a radio show. You're trying to get um, a book deal. You're trying to get on a, on a stage. Well, what I can tell you, Kay, is in my introduction, without me coaching people to say it, more often than not, the most common thing people say is, he's a multiple-time TEDx speaker. So it holds enough weight that that's what the intro, that's what people feel they should say. So, you know, when you think about that, that's pretty powerful that somebody's saying, well, you know, our next guest is a multiple-time TEDx speaker quicker than they're saying an international best-selling author. Mm, yeah, so, so what I would say is it opens doors and adds credibility, unlike what you'll get traditionally. And then I guess the third reason is because once you can deliver a message like that, if you can deliver a message in my last talk was five minutes. So if you can deliver a powerful message or something that even makes sense in that amount of time, that's only going to be good for your business and brand and people are going to view you in a different light. So those are kind of, I guess I'll say the three benefits to your business. People will seek you out. Um, people are going to see you in a different light. And of course, from a, a branding point of view, it's going to have a prestige. People are going to say, well, I need to talk to this person. He's a TED, he's a TED speaker. And that's what they say. They usually don't even say TEDx. This guy's a TED speaker. Or they'll use uh, terminology that you can tell they're not, they don't watch a lot. They'll say, this guy's a TED talker, you know, stuff like that. And it all works. Um, a friend of mine, Richard St. John, who has uh, one of his TED talks is viewed, I think now 15 plus million times. And he calls them TEDsters. And these are the people that go to TED events and speak at TED events. So, yeah, so there's, uh, there's a whole – that's the other thing, too. There's almost a whole culture built around these events. But, yeah, that's what it does. It opens doors for you. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it sounds that way. So it's like, you know, what, I mean, I always, always thought, like, you know, when you are a best-selling author, it opens doors for you. But it sounds like being a TEDx talker or, like, you know, going on TEDx. Uh, see, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all good. Um, it's, it opens a whole lot more doors because it sounds like a lot more people actually get to see it then. Well, and I'll add this in, Kay, and, you know, take this for what it's worth and with a grain of salt because you and I both have best-selling books and we both know that opens doors as well. Mm -hmm. I think the reason, if I'm being full disclosure, I think the reason that, and especially if you compare somebody that has, uh, they're a best-selling author with a Kindle, but they haven't ever released a printed book, I think what happens now is a lot of people, a lot more people are releasing books than ever before. And a lot more people uh, know with a bigger market, it's maybe easier a little bit. It's not easier to get maybe a bestseller in the top 10, but it's easier to get a bestseller in some way, shape or form, whether that's maybe, you know, the top hundred list of one category. And so I think what happens is they know it's harder to get on a 10X stage now than perhaps to have a book out. There's more opportunity, and that's not a bad thing, but there's more opportunity for releasing a book than there ever has been before. And so I think people know that now, and so they just view a book maybe a little differently than they used to. That being said, people still, in my bio, the second thing they say is author. So it still has a lot of weight. I would just say maybe it's because people know the point of entry and the ease of entry are different. Like, as you know, Kay, now you can self-publish. Write a book. Nobody can tell. There's nobody that can stand in front of you and say, you can't have a book on eBay or sorry, well, Amazon or you could have it on eBay is used as well or even new, but there's nobody that can say you can't do that. Whereas with the TEDx talks, somebody can say you can't do it. The organizers. Mm -hmm. 
So does that kind of... Yeah, no, it, it totally makes sense. Now, uh, I mean, I think also it's like, you know, writing a book is much easier than standing in, on stage and talking in front of all these people. I know for me, like for, for years, I was really totally afraid of actually talking. Now I'm getting used to it. I mean, I've been doing a lot of talks like you're just virtually and now my next step is going to on stage. So I think, you know, just thinking about TEDx, I mean, you're going to be on what video, right? I mean, it's going to be recorded. Millions of people could possibly see that, which can add a little stress to that, right? <laughs> For sure. And well, one of the people that we've had in the show recently, uh, she has a, uh, and I, I'm going to say, I think a TEDx talk and I'm going to say, I'm, going to, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the title without looking, but it's something like what it's like to be a woman in Hollywood. And so she was an actress for years and she went up against all the challenges females have in Hollywood. And she decided to, she's been an advocate for this, getting females more roles. And now she's a director. She makes her own movies and she's been an advocate for this for a long time. So she recorded a TEDx talk, I want to say maybe a year ago before the Me Too movement started, so it might be longer than a year ago, whatever timeline the Me Too movement started, she was before that. And her talk was released before that. And I, I want to go by memory and say, I think at the time, her talk may have been like 70, 80,000, which is still a really well-viewed talk. But once the Me Too movement happened, within about a month, she told me, or maybe a month and a half, she jumped to like 500,000. And I, didn't, I haven't looked in a while, but she was at 700,000 the last time I looked. So she'll probably have a million-viewed TEDx talk for a for a topic that probably nobody was even interested in hearing about until the Me Too movement. So why I say this case, you're right. She would have never probably dreamed a million people might view her TEDx talk. They could have, but she didn't probably think that was, or she didn't maybe go into it saying this will happen. But as you said, it's always possible. You, I mean, you could have a video that goes viral because you talked about knitting dog sweaters and then the cutest dog in the world gets on Ellen with a knitted sweater. So you know, the point is you're right. Nobody knows how far it could go. So it's always the what if that maybe scares people into making sure they do their best to knock it out of the park. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, as far as the type of talks, I mean, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, something very inspirational that can make a difference. Uh, I mean, I've, you know, seen a couple of TED talks, but like some were kind of weird in a way. So I mean, what would be some really good for like business owners? What would be a good TED talk or a topic to talk about? So, I mean, it's kind of wild because I would say, in one, on one end, I'll say, the sky's the limit. But on the other end, I'll say, you know, so for me, like I think about storytelling. I'm all about storytelling always. So I would say, first of all, what does your business do? And so we could, you know, we could go any realm. We could go yogurt. We could go, uh, I just happened to see a yogurt for later on sitting at my desk. Uh, we could go, you know, maybe they publish books, whatever that is what they need to find is a unique story angle on what they do to share that in a way that people haven't heard before. Uh, so, and I'm being general because it's so wide open depending on what their business is. But what you want to talk about is something that impacts people and sharing it in a way either they've never thought about it before, or if they have thought about it in a way that they haven't heard it before. So, you know, as an example, I saw somebody that's trying to get into um, automated cars, like trying to get into uh, technology that he wants to get sold into automated cars. And he delivered a TEDx talk around, it was around the idea of what's going to happen, let's say in Los Angeles, when all of a sudden there's no more people, nobody driving cars and there's automated cars, which have the potential, you know, to, to go off the track because an error happens. Or then he went into about flying vehicles, which actually Uber's working on right now in LA testing. 
So, I mean, and he talked about, you know, we have bad drivers now. There's TV shows dedicated to the worst drivers. And what is it going to be like when they're trying to fly, fly a car? You know, so he, he made it funny and everything else, but it, then it related to his business because his business is in relation to trying to help help. And I can't remember exactly how he was doing it because that's his world, not mine, but trying to work with the technology that's in vehicles. So, you know, that could be one example. Um, and, you know, I mentioned uh, maybe that you're a book publisher. So if you're a book publisher, maybe you talk about, you know, this is what the, the print world looks like now. People think it's dead. And here's what we've done to, be, you know, try something brand new in a world where people are saying otherwise nobody's, nobody wants to buy books anymore. Nobody's interested. But yet we're still having success and here's what we're doing. So it's what they're doing that's unique. Uh, one last example, and this is a real-world example. Uh, I know somebody who used to have um, – I don't know if he's still doing it, but he started. He had a record company, and I think their name was Network Records. But he had uh, the Bare Naked Ladies, popular band, uh, popular Canadian band, but also have done really well in the U.S. Uh, they actually wrote the theme song for Big Bang Theory. So people know the theme song where it goes bang at the end. It's them that sings that song. And then uh, Sarah McLaughlin, who's kind of a worldwide sort of sensation. He had these big artists signed to his label, but he recognized the record industry was dying. And, and we all know it's taken a big hit, meaning people aren't buying as many CDs anymore. So what he did was he actually changed the structure of his company and made the artists basically partners in the company. And then he found new ways to distribute music. So the Bare Naked Ladies were one of the first that when you went to watch sort of concerts live, before you left, you could actually buy a USB with the concert you just watched on it. So they were making the concert and finishing it up while people were walking out. And if you want, by the time you got to the thing, they were starting to cycle through them. I don't know how they did it, how they efficiently set that up. But the point is, he could go and deliver a TEDx talk saying, here's what I did in the record business because I recognize the writing on the wall. And then he might turn it into, here's how you can innovate with your own company. Here's the three things I did that allowed me to make my company different and still successful in a time when all the larger record companies were folding. So okay. those are three perspectives. So, but you'll see a common theme, right? It's how are you doing something different in the industry to deal with the problem that the industry is facing and nobody else has really discovered how to deal with it yet. Hmm, I like that. So, you know, at what point of, you know, being in business should, you know, should entrepreneurs really think about, okay, maybe now it would be a good way to start with a TEDx. I mean, should there already be a speaker or can they like just start out with TEDx talks or what's your, what's your point of view on that? It's a great question. And what I would say is I, my, I, a lot of times Kay, I'll answer with it depends rather than a straight yes or no, because there's some variables there. But what I will say is if you're comfortable, well, I'll say it this way. You don't want to discover when you're about to deliver your TEDx talk that you can't be on a stage. You know, that, that you just basically can't speak, your mouth won't open. I mean, we see what happens sometimes when people get in front of the cameras. So you don't want to discover that that day. So what I would say is you don't have to be a seasoned speaker by any stretch. There's a lot of, like when I, I go to, uh, when I'm at TEDx Talks where I'm speaking, there's at least, if there's seven people backstage, I talk to people throughout leading up to our talks and that. And there's at least two or three that have, they've never delivered uh, let's say a paid talk before some of them have only maybe been on the stage in high school doing public speaking contests. So they've really haven't done much in the way of speaking, but they've at least been on a stage once in front of an audience to know that they're not going to pass out. So what I would say is in my opinion, if you're wondering if you're ready, get on a stage, it, you know, can't hurt to go to a Toastmasters meeting or a rotary meeting or something and just get up and speak for 10 minutes. 
and see how you deal with it. And so I would say if, for my own perspective, if I were that person, I'd at least want to be on a stage before I delivered my TEDx talk because delivering a TEDx talk is a whole different beast. Many of the speakers that I've been behind the scenes with at the events, some who've delivered thousands of talks say, and, and they all agree, then say that it's the most nervous they've ever been to deliver a talk. I mentioned Richard St. John, 15 plus million views, was already a speaker, had been to 10 uh, TEDx conferences or 10 TED main conferences. And he said again, he echoed, it was the most nerve wracking talk he's ever done. So knowing that, I think you'd want to go into it with at least a little bit of stage time. So I would just say if you're a business owner and you're not sure yet if, if you should jump on a TEDx or TED stage, what I would say is jump into something like a Toastmasters. And for people that don't know Toastmasters, it's basically a group that uh, get together as a chapter, various locations across the world, and they just, you speak in front of them, they speak in front of you, it just, everybody works together to help each other get better as a speaker. Okay. So go, go do that and get yourself on stage and comfortable on stage. Now, one thing that I heard, I don't know if you, you had told me or if I heard it from someone else, but uh, is it true that you have to practice your TED Talks at least 2,000 times or 200 times or something like that? I don't remember what it was before you're actually allowed to give that talk on stage. I've, ne I've never heard that in my life before. And you know what? If it's true, I snuck in. Because <laughs> I, 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 nobody's checking how many times I'm practicing. I've never had anybody say, how many times did you practice it? What, uh, what I do though, so what I do to practice it is when I'm driving around, I have my phone on, you know, down in the car somewhere on record and I just rhyme through the talk over and over and over again until it's second nature. But, uh, the most that I've had done is you know, I've had, I've done the auditions where they audition to make sure, uh, I've sent in the video where they basically book me based on the video. And I've also done a, um, I've done, uh, I guess I'll say pre-presentation presentations where they get me to basically over Skype present to some of the organizers. They've already, but in that case, at least the last one I did, they already decided I was the person, but they want to make sure that my talk was ready. And so I had to kind of present to them before the presentation just for them to feel comfortable it was ready. But that wasn't what got me booked, but I've had to do, I see my cat wants to say hi. Uh, I've had to do, um, I've had to do, that's, by the way, being a lifestyle entrepreneur. That's the, the benefit and, and the bad is the cat decides that it wants to say hello when you're working from home that day. Uh, but yeah, so I've had um, both experiences where I've had to do an audition or submit stuff to be considered. And then I've had ones where they say, we want you to do a pre-presentation. Mm -hmm. And so, but I've never heard of anybody timing the, like, ask. And, and you know what, if they ask me, are they going to sit there and watch me do 200 practices? Is, unless they're going to do that, isn't it all just me saying yes? Isn't it just an honor system then? So I haven't heard of it, but maybe it exists in, in one of the, you know, maybe there's an organizer that did that, or maybe it's an urban myth that they spread because they want to be people to be terrified or ready. Uh, but I haven't come across that yet. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't remember where I got that from, but I think it was either something like two, was it 200 times or 2000 times? I don't remember, but you know, like whenever, you know, I did watch some Ted talks, it, it just, it, they, it flowed. There was no ums, no stutters. So I figured they must be practicing a whole lot. Cause I know for me, even though, you know, I practice like the talking and, you know, I've been doing interviews, I still do a lot of ums and, you know, and stutter and stumble over my words. So, I mean, I'm guessing they must be practicing a whole lot before they get on station, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't think I would have practiced 200 times, but I certainly would have for at least two of the talks, at least 50 times. Mm 
Mm-hmm. You know, so, so it's certainly not the first time I've heard it. But then bear in mind, I've been speaking now for 16 years on stages. So, and my first talks were horrible. You know, people think, oh, you must be natural if, if you're speaking that often and that many times. No, it was horrible. And I was that guy that can't remember what I said and uh, turn colors, shades of color and everything else. My first time on a stage uh, in stand-up comedy, I told my first two jokes without the mic turned on. Like, I was not ready. And so what I will say, though, is as somebody who had already maybe spoken hundreds of times at least before my first TEDx talk, you know, maybe I practiced 50 times, but again, you know, maybe I'm also the 10,000 hour rule and practicing it already because I already have those hundreds of times of practicing speaking behind me. So I guess I can't speak for my first talk I did. I was already out in the stages and speaking. So I can't say that, um, you know, that I didn't have 200 hours worth of practice, but I can tell you, I didn't sit there and record myself 200 times. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so but now- by the way, I will add, sorry, Kay, I should interject too and add that um, in terms of when you say you mentioned they seem polished, the three events I was involved in, my talks weren't edited, but I know that some will edit if need be. And gotcha. so sometimes that happens. You, you can usually tell, I think, because it's maybe a different, um, you know, you can see a segue, like a different angle on the person or something, a second camera or something. But uh, most are not done like that. But I think what's happened is if it was a really horrible talk or there was a thousand ums and ahs, it, you, it probably wouldn't make it. You know, it probably wouldn't get the video. That's my guess. I'm not on the inside of it seeing what happens in the machine, but that'd be my guess. But you're right. I mean, most of them seem very fluid. But then at the same time, most of the ones we watch are the ones that have thousands of views and not the ones that have 30. So maybe that those, maybe, maybe if you watch a TEDx talk every day and you just randomly typed in the words and picked one and you watch some that were a smaller venue or smaller audience, maybe it would be, you know, maybe you'd see ums and ahs. But you're right. Most of them seem very polished. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay, just that practice is the answer. Yeah, definitely practice 200 times. That's subjective. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So now, where would you know? Where would we start? So, if someone you know that's listening says, "You know what? I really want to give this a try. I've been practicing. I've been speaking. You know, where do I start? What do I do?" So now you're talking. What do I start in terms of getting on a TED stage? Yeah, just you know, getting a TED talk. So let's say they want to get into TEDx talking or TED talking. Like, where do they start? What should they do? So I, you know, there's a, I mean, there's definitely a system for doing this and I would say the easiest answer, first of all, is it's some back stuff you have to do. Like I, I believe in the whole, I think it's um, Franklin Covey that said about the importance of measuring twice and cutting once rather than the other way around, you know, so doing more preparation. So doing the preparation before you execute, a lot of people just jump in and wing it and, that might land you with luck at TEDx talk, but probably won't. Uh, just give you a perspective. I would say about seven percent, five to seven percent of people that submit applications are selected, and it's probably lower than that. But I'm including the small events where they might only get a hundred applications. So I, I have somebody that I'm guiding right now through a documentary about uh, getting a TEDx talk, and I can't say much more than that right now. But uh, what I will say is she got her—I'll um, call it her uh, rejection notice on her first one. And they said, you know, we had more than 100 applicants, and we could only select six. And then so I said, I'll agree to read one of my early rejections as well. And mine said, we had 99, and we could only select 10 or whatever the numbers were. So that's where I'm getting the five to 7%. But there's some that have probably a 1000 applicants and only select five, the numbers usually only five or 10. So once you get into those, it could be down to 1% or less. So when I say that, I think your odds increase if you do more preparation. So what does that preparation look like? It could mean 
deciding where you want to speak. So where, where are you willing to travel for a TEDx event? Because the reason you want to know that is because then you're going to start searching the TEDx events in that area. Like I'm a big believer in efficiency. So don't spend your time searching for TEDx events across the country if you're not willing to travel across the country to deliver. Know as well that, um, that you also don't, um, as far as the, the TEDx events, you don't get paid. So a lot of people don't realize that. Tony Robbins, when you watch his TED Talk, you watch Bill Clinton's, to my understanding, they never got paid a penny. Bill Gates, I mean, so you're not going to get paid probably. They may pay for your travel, but let's assume they don't. So you want to figure out where you are willing to speak, and then you want to find out which events are in that area. Then your next step is you want to get really crystal clear on your idea. Because you now have to pitch an idea probably through a website, and you have to pitch this idea, so you need to be crystal clear on how you're going to present it, how it's going to be different, and how it's going to make sense so that you can pitch it to them in a way that makes it sound different and that it sounds like it, uh, it's an idea that they could put on their stage and people are going to talk about. So I would say get crystal clear on your idea, and then, of course, you want to then flush out your idea. You want to maybe practice it a few times before you pitch it because then you'll have a better feel for it. And then, of course, the big step is then pitching it. So when I say pitching, Usually it'll have a nomination form on the website. So you go find the nominate, whatever it is, nominate yourself, nominate a speaker, whatever it is, go to that spot and then get really, before you don't just jump in and start filling it out, actually read through it, think about what they're saying, maybe then take a break and, and maybe strategize around, print it out. And if it asks, describe your TEDx talk in, in two sentences, I'd rather see you practice that. And then even maybe sit with somebody else and say, what do you think? Rather than just filling it out online and sending. Um, and then you basically want to, from that point, once you decide that you're ready, you fill it out, send it in, and then it's one of those hope for the best, wait to hear back from them, and proceed accordingly. You know, if it's a rejection, don't get yourself down. Uh, say, how can I apply to the next one? Uh, maybe ask them, when is the next time around that I can apply to this one? And then, uh, and then proceed accordingly. I mean, I'm leaving a lot of steps out there. I, I think you know, okay, we talked about it. I have a whole TEDx program, mm -hmm. and so that's like eight weeks. So, I mean, there's a lot more than I could ever cover in a short interview, but that's the, the basic nutshell of what the, the process looks like. You just have to find out where the talk is, figure out what your idea is, get really crystal clear on your idea, know how you want to pitch it, go to the website, find the nomination spots, and then fill out the application, send it in, and cross your fingers. So basically, what you're saying is that actual talking is the easy part. <laughs> by the time you get on that stage you've gone through a lot of stuff yeah the talking because then if you get accepted they're probably going to say we want to have you want you to fly here for an audition and then or you might be nearby but you got to go for an audition and then you got to convince them that your talk is great in front of all these organizers who are studying tedx speakers all the time so that's nerve-wracking on its own it's almost like going i guess to audition for american idol or something so you got to do all that too so and, and each one's different. They don't all have that audition process, but that could be what it looks like. So be prepared for that. But just know, until you get accepted, all that stuff doesn't happen. You know, you, you basically, the first part is research. Go on the website, see what, I'll add this in too. See what speakers they brought in before. See what they have an appetite for. See what kind of topics they seem to like. Get to know it before you submit it because I'd rather spend a week or a month getting ready to submit and then submitting a good one than submitting 20 times to different TEDx events, but just doing it on, on a wing it type approach. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. That definitely opened my eyes. Cause I actually thought, well, the talking being on stage would be the difficult part. So you definitely opened my eyes on that. <laughs> Well, you know, thank you so much for, for sharing all that. I, th I think, you know, you, we covered a lot, like, you know, what really, you know, why is it beneficial to maybe go into TEDx talk, like how to go about it, you know, at what point. 
<laughs> and those tank, uh, those type of things. So you know, really appreciate you going so much into detail about that. Now, if any of the listeners would like to get a hold of you, find out more about you, you know, where can they find you? How can they learn a little bit more about you? So probably the easiest spots are if they want to learn more about the programs that that I just mentioned briefly. Those are at thespeakingprogram.com. So thespeakingprogram.com. If if people go over there right now and sign up, they'll actually get access to uh, free videos. Uh, I think there's one or two free videos they get. And then they'll also be notified when our free training comes out. And then they'll be notified when the new book comes out as well. Uh, So we have a book coming out too. And then also, um, and then when the program opens. So thespeakingprogram.com is one spot. And then on the whole other end of the spectrum, if they want to connect with me, learn more about me, I want to learn more about my speaking, go to get the social media, the speaker, sorry, thatspeakerguy.com. It's hard to remember the two, the and that. Thespeakingprogram.com and thatspeakerguy.com are the two kind of main hubs, if you will. Okay. And I mean, I got all the links with the, with the show notes anyway, so it's easy to, to get to it. Uh, now, do you have also maybe a special offer you would like to share with the, with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a book that we put out a couple of years ago called Enlightened. And it's a full-size book, so it's not a, it's not a you know, 10-page uh, PDF ebook or something. And I'm not saying that in a bad way, but it's a full-size book because people ask that a lot. Uh, so if you go to letsdoinfluencing.com, so again, that's letsdoinfluencing.com, and uh, basically right there, you can just uh, sign on, uh, grab your copy of the book, and you'll also be added to our newsletter tribe. But I always tell people this 2K, you know, if you just want the free book, sign up and then sign right back out. You know, I only want you in the newsletter tribe if you want to be there, uh, but you can kind of get a two for one. You can get the free book, which is a full book, no cost, no, you know, no uh, hidden agenda at all. Um, But then you'll also be uh, signed up for a tribe because that's the best way to deliver the book because it's a digital book, of course. Um, But then at the same time, if you don't want to stay on, sign back out. If you want to stay on, uh, you'll see some great content coming out and learn more about how to get on TEDx stages and how to speak for money and how to speak for impact and all that kind of good stuff. Well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I definitely appreciate it. Now, you know, in closing, do you have any last, you know, words of advice, any last thoughts you would like to share with us? Yeah, just easy. Uh, to me, it's just a one-step thing. Make sure you're living your life on purpose, whether that's your business or whether that's your personal life. Make sure you've discovered what you're put here to do and you're spending most of your time doing that and success will come to you. To me, it's that simple. There's a whole lot of stuff that happens in between, but it really is that simple at the end of the day. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think, you know, also, if you have that vision, you know, for what you want to do, you know, it's, it's going to make it so much easier. So, you know, thank you so much, Corey, for being here, for taking your time and, you know, also bringing your cat on it. You know, I know she likes the camera, you know, so thank you so much for being here and sharing all this great content. I mean, you definitely opened my eyes about the TEDx talk as well. So maybe that I'm at that to my, to my goal list on my wall. <laughs> love it. And yeah, it's funny. You're right. The cat uh, loves the camera so much. So that's why I moved the camera a couple of times is because she decided she, she still wanted to be in the screen. Normally she gives up after five minutes and everybody gets to see her, but today she's on fire. So that's why we're putting out here. (laughs) Must be that. But yeah, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay. No problem. And I also want to thank you, you know, for tuning in again. I hope, you know, we open your eyes, you know, on like the speaking and, you know, how beneficial it can be if you go into TEDx or TED Talks. You know, if you want to have more information about it, you know, definitely reach out to him. I mean, he is really a great guy when it comes to the speaking. I mean, I've learned a lot from him as well. Uh, but, you know, like you really get out. I mean, one of the things like last or yesterday, I released a, a, an episode about, you know, sharing your message in a book, you know, and even just sharing your message on stage. I mean, he mentioned it earlier. 
you can impact so many people with just one TEDx talk. And even if it might not get millions and millions of views, but if you can just impact a few people or just one person, there is a ripple effect. So go out there, share your message. I mean, that's what we're here. That's what we're bringing you these interviews to really help you get out there because you have a gift, you have a message to share. So go out there and share. Okay. So with that said, you know, if you have any comments, if you like this video, you know, like it, comment, share it, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. So you will be notified of the next coming upcoming interviews. Uh, I have a lot more great speakers lined up for you. So, you know, make sure you leave a comment below. If you have any questions, you can also leave a comment below as well. I let Corey know, or he probably looks at it as well. And, you know, also check out the website abundantly-successful.com for the show notes, for the previous episodes, you know, so just you can get all the information there. With that said, thank you so much for being here and I hope you have an abundantly and successful day.